What's going on, good people? This is the Common Man Nate Lewis back with a brand new common take. Today is December 13th, 2018. Merry Christmas and happy holidays to all you listeners. I hope everything is going to go well for you over the holiday season. A lot of stuff to talk about today. Um, we're going to get into the UFC UFC 231 pay-per-view, some thoughts on some of the changes coming UFC way, including the switch over to ESPN+. Plus. Uh, Rachel Ostevich, Greg Hardy, all that stuff there. But first, we've got to talk about the big story. I shouldn't say big story because, you know, we're kind of, everybody's kind of had their thing on it and we're going to slowly move on and nothing will change. But it's, it's the Raw rating and the overall state of Raw itself. Now, for a while there, earlier this year, I completely would catch Raw not even on Tuesdays, but sometimes between like Wednesday and Thursday. And that was way after I did hear about how the show was and how things went. And it just, it fell in line with me to be able to watch Raw much later in the week. Uh, recently now, I've basically been able to come home from work, had nothing else on my plate, and I'm excited to watch Raw. I try to avoid going to my groups. I try to ignore the, uh, the alerts that the WWE app gives you. And it's like, all right, let's just get into Raw. And... I cannot, I can't point out what particular episode of Raw it was, um, and, and and I'm sure after I post this, I'll, I'll I'll remember exactly what edition it was. But I remember watching that show, and I was fast forwarding through a lot. I was bored. I fell asleep several times, and it was just a real. I don't I don't even want to call it a bad show. Um, whatever it was, whatever show everybody was boycotting and saying don't watch Raw next week. I didn't think that it was that bad of a show. I just thought the show was boring. I thought it was easily skippable. It was just god-awful. And then the next week we had the Raw where um, George H.W. Bush had died. And apparently Vince came to the arena that day and completely rewrote the show. The show had a much happier tone. Not as much heat as in the previous weeks. And I thought that episode was fine. Uh, And even this past week... Well, actually, I had a big problem with this past week. Um, but just overall, it's, Raw has just been kind of in a severe funk. And it's not just lately. It's not just been, oh, well, it's this time of year, which I pretty much flat out said several weeks ago. We're heading into the dead part of the WWE schedule where not really shit is really happening. And it's just going to be a down period for WWE. To which fans, I think this, I think I said this right before Survivor Series, and I said it was going to be after Survivor Series. To which people clowned me and said, hey, you know, you got this big pay-per-view coming up, and the TLC, blah, blah, blah. Well, now you see what I was talking about. Anyway, but it, it's been going on, this dysfunct with Raw, and it, it's going to lead into my rant for the day. This really all started with this whole Baron Corbin taking over as the general manager of Raw. I don't want to be this guy to a pulp. There are plenty of people on social media. There's plenty of groups on Facebook, forums that will kill Barry Corbin a lot more than I really plan on doing. However, let, let's objectively look at Barry Corbin. Barry Corbin started in NXT. He had the lone wolf gimmick. He had short matches. He had a few with Bull Dempsey, which I found really entertaining. And he got the win there. He really didn't stand out as much other than being big with cool music and had a little bit of a look. 
his work in the ring was it ranged from being trash to you know being being plausible. Gets called up to the main roster, gets moved over to SmackDowns, giving a push. Wins the I can't remember what happened first. He won the Money in the Bank first, or he won the Andre Memorial Battle Royal. Anyway, he says some shit. Some shit goes left for him backstage. He loses the Cena clean. He loses his Money in the Bank opportunity. Um, opportunity. He gets moved to Raw. Nothing really changes about his character. Nothing really changes about his in-work ability. Nothing changes about his promo ability. He's just fine. And there are some people that will point out he gradually got better in the ring and got more comfortable with promos. Maybe. But I saw peaks of that at NXT where I thought his work was good and I thought his promos were getting better. So to me, he took a step back and then he just kind of got to where he was previously. So anyway, now he's on Raw and they're doing nothing with him. Then all of a sudden, he's just wearing a fucking... He wears what I wear to work. With the slacks, the fucking vest, and the rolled up sleeves. It's kind of what I wear at work. So he starts wearing that. He's the constable. He's still working matches in this fucking outfit. And for long-time listeners, you know that I'm not a fan of wearing your Sunday best or your work uniform and fucking competing in a ring. Get some goddamn tights. So he's doing this shit, and he's... He's the, he's the thwart to Kurt Angle. Okay, that's kind of fine. I'd much rather him had done that aspect of it instead of still working in matches. But fine, whatever. He shaves his head, good look, much better. He doesn't look like so much of the uh, the sad face with the way his body's shaped. I'm cool with that. Then he takes over for Kurt Angle because we gotta have we gotta have that heel GM. We gotta have that heel authority figure. And everything that was going wrong prior to this, him working in his goddamn church clothes, his promos being kind of boring, and him being kind of awkward in promos as well, him not getting heat from the fans. The fans just not really caring but being bored when he's on screen and when he's talking. They all become amplified. He's running the show. He's being very, very biased, which fans can... Fans can put up with a heel authority figure being an asshole if at the end of the day or as as the story is going, he's getting thwarted or there's someone there to oppose him or he gets his in the end. But when it comes to Corbin, yeah, he'll lose a match or two, but there's no real consequences to it. He just comes out the next week and makes life miserable for you. And he makes life miserable for me because I got to see him wear his fucking church clothes to work and wrestling. And cut any shit promos every week. Like I said before, people are pointing at these last couple of weeks. I can go back further to before Crown Jewel. Way, actually way before Crown Jewel. Uh, we were talking about Super Showdown and before that. Where you had Corbin, Ziggler, McIntyre, and the heel Braun Strowman that lasted for a couple of weeks. You had that crew feuding with the Shield and having the variations of the same, the same match just five different ways for about six weeks there. When we got to that point, I was just like, they have got to do something with this guy. They, he, he cannot stay in the same position he's in right now because he's boring me to tears. So, so we get through that, and now Corbin has Drew McIntyre and Bobby Lashley, and he's, he's feuding with Elias, and I, I don't care. I, I don't fucking care. Then, during the course of this, Alexa Bliss gets hurt. 
I'm not going to go on this Alexa Bliss thing. I've heard people cry and bitch so much about Ronda for giving Bliss this concussion and keeping her out of the ring. Even though it's been recorded, she had several concussions. And they got her off TV. Or they got her out of the ring. So, in order to keep her on the show and to keep her an active part of the show, what does is, what is WWE decide? Baron Corbin is going to make her the general manager of the women's division. On paper, that idea sounds fine. Here's why it's not fine. I want you to sit and think. Alexa Bliss has been the GM for the women's division for a couple of weeks now. What impact or what story has she been involved in other than probably some of the worst segments on TV with this open forum shit? For just Sasha and Bailey. Just Sasha and Bailey, mind you. Don't worry, I'll wait. I'll give you more second. Okay, yeah, nothing. Nothing. So she's been involved in that. She was going to have another open forum. Or, uh, not open forum, a face-off. I, I don't, you know, I think they did call it open forum. Between Nia Jax and Ronda Rousey. That consisted of her standing in the ring, introducing Nia, having the mic taken from her, standing to the side, Ronda coming out, and Alexa disappearing. Alexa has not been anywhere near involved with the Natalia and Riot storyline. She's not progressing and making these ultra killer ass matches. She's not she's not even being Baron Corbin level of kind of a dick either in terms of screwing over baby faces or making she's just nothing. She has a segment maybe every week. And I'm like, we we could Corbin could be doing that. It's just, it, it, it boggles my mind how much shit this heel GM thing with Corbin has been. And it, it's not the biggest problem on Raw, but it's, if it's not one, it's 1A or it's 1B. And it's drastically killing off the audience watching Raw each and every week. Now, in comparison sakes, SmackDown's ratings have been bad also. But with SmackDown, I'm entertained for my two hours. For the most part, the Daniel Bryan heel turn, the the ascension of Becky Lynch and that progression for her storyline with Charlotte Flair, the tag team division has always been of interest to me. Anytime they get Rusev anything, I'm great with that. Samoa Joe's promos are always solid, even though I think this Jeff Hardy feud is just kind of eh there. There's interesting stuff sprinkled throughout the show. So if I'm given 12 segments of SmackDown, at least eight of them, at worst, are just good to being very good, to being excellent. And I can't say that for Raw. And I don't get how these two shows can be so drastically different. The same guy runs both fucking shows. And I'm not here saying SmackDown is the greatest show. It's not. It's got some flaws, man. And there, there's some stuff on SmackDown that it, it doesn't fit. It, they they change narratives a lot. The whole Rey Mysterio having his neck pilmanized and just wearing a brace, but then just working like he normally does. Like, shit like that is just kind of, oh, oh my god. Same thing with Randy Orton. It's, Randy Orton is basically the same character he was, like, 15 years ago. And, okay. And he keeps getting these... Let me not shit on Randy Orton. I actually like Randy Orton. But you get what I'm saying. It's like one show is absolutely fucking terrible. And the other show is good. And sometimes on, on other weeks, it's just kind of bad, too. 
but I don't get how they're run by the same fucking person. I am shocked. And if you think I'm over exaggerating that, sit down right now. I'm gonna get. I'm. I'm gonna do something you shouldn't do in radio. I'm gonna use five seconds of silence. I want you to think. Go number them right now. The good things in WWE right now. Not not NXT. Not the NXT UK. Uh, I'm not even talking. Um, 205 Live or Mix Max Challenge, any of that. Just between the two shows, think about name the top five good things in WWE. Okay, how many down that list did you get before you got to see something about Raw? And that's my point. Something's got something's got to change. They need a drastic change. Not Seth Rollins coming out and speaking for the fans at Vince McMahon telling us, oh, this show sucks. That doesn't fucking work. WCW tried that shit. WCW's been dead for 18 or 17 years. That, that's not going to work. You telling us, oh, I know the show is bad. Fix your show. Just fix it. I, I read, um, it was it was in a Cult of Cafe group. Someone kind of pointed out, like, hey, you coming out, and it was for Jimmy Jacobs. Jimmy Jacobs had sent out a tweet replying to Brian Alvarez saying, hey, writing five hours of television is hard every week. And someone in the group said, look, that's not an excuse. Just we want a better show. And you fans, the ones who bitch about Raw each and every week, bitch about your guy not being put over, bitch about what happens with Finn Balor, bitch about all this, came to the defense just because – did the defense of Seth Rollins and Jimmy Jacobs? Oh, well, yeah, the, the, the five hours of all... Oh, it, it boggles my mind. As many of you know, and I, I work this in a group, I work in a hotel. I work at the front desk. I work second shift. I'm the guy you see when you come and check in. If you come to me at 4 o'clock and say, hey, I'm here to check in, and I look back at you and say, unfortunately, your room is not ready. Are you then just going to go, okay, and walk off? Fuck no. You're going to tell me something. Hey, it's past 3 o'clock. And if I came back to you and said, well, I know it's after 3 and that's what our check-in times. But see, here's what happened. So we had this one guest who was currently in your room, right? And they needed to like, how, how far into that do you stop caring about whatever I'm saying? You don't care. You're there for a product. You're there for a service. We're there to watch Raw. I don't give a flying fuck how hard you think it is to write five hours. If you can't write five hours, you shouldn't have five hours. Period. It is not my place to understand the hardships of a service that you guys have been providing for well over um, 20 years or 25 years that you've been doing Raw. And this isn't like this new that you've been doing five hours. You've been doing five hours for years. Years. So I don't want to hear the excuses. And, and and what I find so surprising is Seth Rollins was the one to kind of interject and, 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 and back up. Yeah, this stuff is hard. Even though you're supposed to be the voice of the fans who say, hey, your show sucks. Because Seth, no one's mad at you. No one's blaming you. No one's blaming Elias. We're blaming Corbin, but that's that's something different. It's not the talent we see on TV. That's the problem. The problem is how the show is put together. The problem is how things are written, and then the next week, it's like we're supposed to forget shit happened. 
Ronda got her ass whooped. Got her ass whooped at Survivor Series. Came out the next night, kind of stretched a little bit. Oh, I'm a little banged up. Okay, let me go wrestling. Oh, I'm winning. Yeah. No selling nothing. She did a better job selling that beating she got on her fucking social media than she did the next night on Raw and actively com- and defended her title the next night. Actively defended her title the next night. Your problem isn't the talent. The problem is the guy running the company. And until he realizes the way I've been booking TV, the way I've been booking this show no longer works, that my ideas of what's going to get over, my ideas for, for, for doing this and that, it doesn't work anymore. Me having a full staff of writers and then undermining those writers because I feel I know what's best, that's not best for business anymore. And once that happens, we'll get a different show. Now, will it be better or worse? We don't know. But right now, what you're doing now, you're losing the viewers. So up next, UFC. So the last UFC pay-per-view is actually one that I did not watch entirely. Um, It was one one of the worst weekends at work. Just that fucking bad. But by the time I got home, I got home really just in time to see Ryan Ortega was it was on his way into the octagon. I said, well, cool. I get to watch this main event. And what a fucking great main event it was. Ortega, Brian Holloway for the UFC Featherweight Championship. This fight was awesome. Just awesome. And it goes to reinforce what I've said about Max Holloway before. He may not be the most coherent in promos. He may never be a huge draw, but the man, the man is vicious. And right now, with the, and the momentum he's got coming off of this fight, for those who haven't, those who haven't seen it, um, Holloway to me won round one and round two easily. I believe round two I scored at a 10-8. Just pressing combinations, snapping Ortega's head back. Ortega had a chin on on him man i mean almost anybody else would have been put down fairly early in this fight but ortega hung in there he actually landed the more powerful strikes but holloway was just putting it on him and on him and on him just constant constant forward pressure round three i thought it kind of was either an even round or i had ortega winning he got a huge momentum swing there he was able to land a lot of power shots i believe he had a takedown in there also and then Max Holloway, after a, a round that was kind of closer, just said, fuck it, I'm ending it in this round. And went out in the fourth round and went fucking ham on Ortega. Busted him up, just beating and battering him. Ortega can't come off the stoop for round five. Max Holloway, um, I think he has the longest win streak currently in UFC, if not, it's between him and Tony Ferguson. And after this big win, and... And Holloway's your featherweight champion. He's beaten Jose Aldo twice. Be a very solid and, and very competent and very highly regarded challenger in Brian Ortega. And after the fight, you know, Joe Rogan kind of going into his GOAT thing. And, and, and look, some people get really tired of Joe Rogan overhyping people, but that's kind of his job. But instead of just really celebrating that and looking at what's ahead for him in this division, this division that is clearly his Clearly his now. 
Yeah, we want Max Holloway to move up to 155. Stop it! Stop this! Can we stop doing this? Can we stop trying to do these? I get, I get WME is trying to make back some money, and this year has not been good in terms of pay-per-views overall. Um, and so you want to do these big fights, but for fuck's sakes, man. This is what it, this is Holloway's third defense of this title. Just his third. And, he, and, and the problem was people would say, well, he wasn't making, he made weight for this easily. Easily. He seems fine. Just, just let the man run a division for a while. Sometimes just throwing fighters up weight classes because they look dominant in a couple of fights damages their long-term drawing ability. You mean to tell me if Max Holloway, with the, with, with the style that he fights at, the way his fights go, and his high, high level of fighting ability, if he doesn't rattle off six or seven title defenses, that makes him any more or less of, draw, of a draw than if he goes up and fights... I, I don't know who they want to obviously uh, be there, but okay, so he beats Tony Ferguson. So does that make him any more of a draw if he goes and and and, and fights Chad Mendes and uh, some of the other people at 145 and shows his dominance in that division? Doesn't showing dominance in his division make him more of a draw? And when you finally have the super fight between him and the 155 pound champion or whoever you want to match him up against. Does, does that not make that more meaningful? Does that not help your pay-per-view buys? I just I just got really upset hearing Dana White in that post-fight press conference saying he wants to push Max to 155. It's just let the man let the man run his division. Just let him run it. So UFC in January. Alright, got it right here. Alright, so this card takes place on January 19th. Obviously, there's a big pay-per-view before then, and we'll get back to the John Jones and Gustafin card. But this is the show that is going to be broadcast on ESPN+. Main event, Henry Cejudo versus TJ Dillashaw. UFC Flyweight Championship. Uh, as everybody knows, the flyweight, the flyweight division is going away, so this will be the last fight in this division. The co-main event, Paige Van Zandt, Rachel Ostevich in the women's flyweight division. Now, that fight in and of itself... We, we kind of know what this is. This is a chance to get Paige, um, who UFC sees as a big-time draw, uh, on their new platform. And they're going to have her compete against a uh, another very attractive woman in Rachel Ostevich. Kind of where this gets a little um, little bit, uh, I don't want to say convoluted, that's not the right word. Where this gets a little tricky is that uh, recently Rachel Ostevich had a domestic dispute with her husband. Um, I'm not going to go, go into all the details here. You can obviously look that up for yourselves, but just a very, very sad and unfortunate situation. Uh, Rachel suffered a broken orbital uh, after the incident, and uh, this took place back, uh, I think it was, before, I want to say a couple, maybe a week or two before Thanksgiving, and with the broken orbital bone, she is under the impression that she'll be cleared to fight, and she's still going to make this card on the 19th. Now, we just take away from the fact that with a broken orbital bone, there is zero chance she is doing any type of actual full-on training or sparring leading into this fight. And Rachel, who would already have been the underdog going into this fight, this now puts her more at a disadvantage. Uh, but where the real controversy is coming from is who is fighting earlier on on that card, which is Greg Hardy. 
for those who don't know, Greg Hardy is of himself, a uh, former Carolina Panther, um, also involved in a domestic dispute, and uh, obviously the a little bit of the mirror opposite of what happened with Rachel. And so the decision by UFC and ESPN to have both of these fighters on the same card, and and for in Rachel's instance, being so soon after the the uh, incident that she had, it's making a lot of people uneasy. And I, I'm not going to speak to that uh, in terms of look. I, there's facts out there, but no one ever knows the full situation. And I'm not going to sit here and go, you know, we, we can't say that this person did or didn't do something or whether it's right or wrong. But just as an as a image from the image perspective, this is a bad move by the UFC. And I, I, I'm not going to sit here and preach to them about the signing of Greg Hardy because, you know, people need to make a living. And, and you know, I'm not going to knock them for that. He's a... He's shown through the Tuesday Night Contender series that he has a place in MMA. Uh, maybe not with your company, especially when he's still this green, but they saw a name, they went after it. He's a competent fighter, um, much more competent than CM Punk is, and um, you know, CM Punk got signed. But to have it on have his debut on, on the same card as Rachel, who's co-main inventing this show, it, it's it's really it's kind of disgusting. Especially when we get closer to the media time and Rachel's having to do the media rounds. Because, again, she is the co-main event on the show. And you know she's going to get those questions. And Dana White and WME can do their best to to curtail reporters and, and to have them not ask, you know, either fighter directly. I'm, I'm sure Greg probably won't, ever, <clears throat> won't be doing as many media appearances. But it's the questions Rachel's going to get. And... You know, just having to deal with the questions she would have got just about the incident in and of itself um, is troubling, but that's just the nature of the beast. But to add Dan, uh, Greg Hardy on top of that competing on the same show, it just puts everybody in a real awkward situation. This fight does not need to happen on this card um, for Rachel's health. Her physical health as well as you know emotional health with everything that's going on here now. So overall, it's a bad look for the UFC. Um, I'm not going to say or say I'm totally disgusted because UFC has done shit like this. So I, I don't know what else can be said. I don't know what else needs to be said. I just, I, unfortunate situation. Moving on, um, the actual next big time show we have is UFC 232. John Jones, Alexander Gustafson. Rematch of what many call the greatest light heavyweight championship fight of all time. Uh, John Jones taken to the limit even after a what he said he did a weekend of cocaine going into the fight. Good old John Jones, yeah. No, I'm I'm glad that you know we went over bent over backwards to make sure we got this guy back in UFC. But fight itself, uh, John's coming in as a favorite even though he's been off for a substantial amount of time. Uh, Gustafson, who's been wanting this fight for years, is finally has his opportunity now to see the return of John Jones or ready to see this rematch should be in and of itself. That fight by itself uh, is enough for a worthy pay-per-view buy. But then you look at the rest of this card. Co-main event, Chris Cyborg or Manny Nunez. This is going to be for the featherweight championship. Manny Nunez has the opportunity to become a two-division champion because that's 
that's just what we do now. <laughs> the big thing is that not just to defend your title or become champion, not just to defend your title, but to be a two a two division champion. That's just what everyone wants to do. Uh, this fight should be very very interesting. Uh, as much criticism as I've had for Chris Cyborg in the past, as as far as not her ability, but just her level of competition, um, past uh, banned substances and things like that. She put a lot of that to bed to me. Um, not so much banned substances, but at least as far as her legacy goes and her level of competition, her skill as a fighter, a lot of that went away with the Holly Holm win. Now, I'm not saying that her beating Holly Holm puts her in go category. It it doesn't necessarily because Holly's just one of those fighters where, you know, I'll save my Holly Holm discussion for another day. Um, but just taking that away from it, um, that fight was a big fight for Chris. It's a big win for Chris. And I'm, uh, if this fight had happened prior to the Holly Holm fight, I would say this fight would probably be a lot more even. As it stands right now, I think Chris, she she is right now the betting favorite. She should be the betting favorite. And I expect her to win this fight as well. Uh, Amanda hits hard. Uh, Black Belt Jiu-Jitsu is well on the ground, so she know we can, she can go on the ground. Uh, people will point to her Valentina fight and say, well, their gas taking is no longer an issue. Uh, I don't believe that to be the case. Uh, Valentina didn't really press Amanda that fight to kind of empty her gas tank. So I think if this fight goes past the third round, uh, I think actually we, we've seen Chris have five hard rounds. And I expect her to be the further side is very, very possible. But I think at the end of the day, if it goes to the judges' scorecards, then we'll see Cyborg walk away the winner here going even further down the car carlos condit michael chiesa i'm a michael chiesa fan as everybody here knows carlos condit his best years may be behind him but he's still a top level fighter this should be an exciting fight latifi versus Corey anderson i mean that's there um whoever gets to win here will definitely make the case for a future title consideration um should be you know i shouldn't say the fight's gonna be there fight should be okay and then the last fight on the pay-per-view card, Chaz Mendez and Alexander Volkovskiski. Someone correct me on that one. Um, good to see Chad Mendez back. Um, hopefully all that stuff with the PEDs is behind him and, and things things work out well for him going forward. When he was at the top of his game, he was one of the more exciting fighters in UFC and especially in that division. So good to see him back. And let's see who else. I mean, on this car, on on FS1, on the FS1 prelims, you have BJ Penn and Ryan and Ryan Hall. Now, say what you want about BJ Penn if he should still be fighting, but BJ Penn's still a big, big name, and for him to be on the prelims, the opening of the prelims tells you something about you know the shape of the rest of the card. You have Katzengato and Megan Anderson, and um, also on that prelim card. Uh, Cat making the move to 145. We'll see how that fares for her. Uh, Andre Olowski and Walt Harris. Always rooting for Olowski. I think his time is as as far as ever fighting for the heavyweight title. I think that's behind him now. But he can still put on solid fights. So uh, this card's stacked. This card is very stacked. Uriah Hall's fighting on this card as well. Uh, I don't think I mentioned uh, Silva Don Andre. He's fighting on this card as well. So this should be an exciting end of the year card. Um, definitely going to be picking this one up. Uh, I suggest you guys check it out too. And lastly, sticking on the MMA subject, 
Um, one fighting championship, man. They're making moves. They just signed a television agreement with Turner Sports. Sage Northcutt, a big-time free agent going over there. Um, obviously, there's there's been there's going to be more signings for these guys as, as it seems, you know, Bellator and, and UFC now won. There's, there is a demand for combat sports and, and, and in sports in general across television and streaming. So guys are, can get out there and make some serious money. We'll see how things go. Um, <laughs> Oscar De La Hoya tried to get his hands in there with Golden Boy MMA. I don't want to talk about that card. Um, I was disgusted by the main event, and I'll just leave it at that. But there's money to be made in MMA, and 2019 and going forward should be a very interesting time in MMA. Now, with that, I'm going to wrap it up. I wanted to keep this really, really short, and uh, I pushed over the time limit I set for myself. But the end of the year awards are upon us. I have a bunch of different polls. I've sent out invites to some people who opinion I, I value very very much and uh, we'll do a show probably at the beginning of the year as opposed to the end of the year um, tons of different categories uh, superstar of the year for WWE superstar of the year for NXT uh, superstar of the year for New Japan and then I just basically just did the indies after that best storylines um, god worst storylines fight of the year promoter of the year the, the worst thing uh worst storylines of the year um uh, best box office draw there's gonna be a ton of different categories that's gonna be a fun show i'm gonna do something different with that show we'll make that a lot more fun and i cannot wait i'm already putting in the plans into motion and uh like i said we're looking for that one towards the beginning of the year especially since uh things with me on a professional level as far as my work outside of this uh is going to be changing very soon and uh I'll be able to actually do more of these shows because of it. I'm very excited about that and uh, very excited about what we're going to be doing with this podcast. So thank you guys so much for listening. As always, make sure you like, share, review, do all that stuff. Help brother out. I really appreciate it. Thank you guys so much. Peace and chicken grease.